I don't know if the assembled Patriots media was upset that Bill Belichick pulled the plug, Keith, on not only today the final day of what was supposed to be the final day of the mandatory OTAs, but also I guess next week has been altered as well. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, and if you're on Twitch, you'll see him join us as well from uh, his non-rubber room like me home studio, our buddy Andy Hart, who uh, didn't have to go slog out in the rain today, apparently. Hello, Hart. I do thank Bill Belichick. Hello, first of all. I do thank Bill Belichick for avoiding, because you know we wouldn't have been in whatever the hell they call that bubble now, and I'm not even sure what the name is, but they never use it, so we would have been outside in the absolute pouring dismal rain. So yes, thank you, Bill Belichick, but I'll also take a uh, anti-Chris Scheim approach to this, the former producer of your show who- Yeah, I remember him. He's kind of now become the most negative person regarding the Patriots, probably on the planet. He's a fake fan. Uh yeah, I'm not even sure not what it fan. is. It's, he's just he's just the more he's a member of the media now. He is, and, and and I do six rings podcasts with him a couple times a week, and nice. It's it's really an interesting developing relationship. I'm not sure where it's going to go. <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, I think Rich Keefe once famously said, "I want to strangle him." I said that one time, yeah, because it was a debate about decades, and he just wasn't making any sense. But yeah. okay, I. I was uh, I was borderline ready to strangle him in the podcast we just recorded a few moments ago, but I'm going to take a positive approach. Good plug for that, by the way. I'll have to yeah. tune in. Six Rings podcast got a little uh, little dicey. All right. Um, is it okay to read from this that Bill Belichick was really happy with what his team uh, did in OTAs and a couple days of really competitive, energetic minicamp practices? Possible. Possible. Oh Are you a shime too? No, like, not a shime guy. I just think that you have a, a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, yeah, maybe they got answered for him. You you think uh, Bill Belichick's in the business of saying, you know what, boys, you sucked. We did not do anything positive for the last month and a half. You know what I'm going to do? Take the rest of the summer off. Go ahead. You the, earned it. Wouldn't the counter be Bill's no. been coaching such a long time where you used to be able to practice all the time. You used to be able to have two-a-days. You used to be able to have full pads. You used to have, they've taken so much away that now you're even punting on the very few practices that you're even allowed to have? No, I don't think that's logical. They've taken so much away. Wouldn't you want more so to have every mandatory day of camp, every possible OTA you could have? No, that's my point. Is that they that I'm surprised that even no, if no, no, are but going my well, point. You're making my point. <laughs> I don't think he's I am. so happy. Appreciate you staying out of this, Gresh. Too. Uh, he's so happy <laughs> in your little rubber room. Yeah. He's so happy with what they've accomplished. Take the rest of the week off, Andy. It's as simple as this. If it if if this happened. And the offensive coordinator were Josh McDaniels, no one would blink. Right. That's what this really comes down to is minds are made up that it's going to be a disaster. Minds are made up that these these offensive coaches are going to be terrible, and therefore it's going to bring Mac down, and Mac isn't amazing enough because he can't throw the ball 75 yards behind his back to save the day. That I think that's a part of the reason why, Andy, some will look at this and be like, oh, yeah, this is just another sign of impending disaster. Whereas it's logical to look at it the way you did that Belichick looked around and said, hey, you know what? This was a good couple of days of work here. And uh, let's either live to saddle up another day or I just think there's a preconceived notion already that until people see it. They're not even going to get they, – they can't buy into it. And even when they see it, that it's going to be fool's gold. Yeah, because I – and I said this to you guys yesterday with the defense and the feistiness and the competitiveness of the defense. Like, I came away from minicamp 
thinking somewhat positive about this team. Like, there were plenty of positives to pull from. It wasn't like, oh, my God, that guy pulled his hammy, he limped off. Oh, my God, that guy dropped every ball thrown his way. Oh, my God, that guy can't cover. Like, even, you know, the story, like one of the cute little stories of June is Trey Nixon. Oh, he's taking advantage of his opportunities, beating Jonathan Jones down the field. Well, when he beat Jonathan Jones, it was like really tight coverage. Sean Wade, not so much. He toasted Sean Wade, but yeah, well, I'm not sure anybody really thinks about Sean Wade anymore. I'll be honest with you. No. I had to look down. I was like, I think it's 26. Who the hell's tra- Oh, yeah, Sean Wade. They traded for him. Yeah. He was supposed to be good at one point in his career yeah. at Ohio State. Now, the second team in two years, that's a pretty good football team, maybe losing interest in Sean Wade. Yeah. But like, there were positives to pull from these practices now the flip side i guess you could say is like oh bill's so frustrated he just needs to get to nantucket sooner like (laughs) he wants out but i don't i don't think it's that i think you have to presume and assume and you touched on it gresh if there was ever a year they might need every single practice rep not only for the players but for the coaches and the 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 whatever the mechanics were going to be especially on the offensive side of the ball you'd say this is the year they need every minute on the field they can get Bill's just that dumb where he's like, you know, we're not going to we're not going to use that time. You know, he's known for not maximizing his preparation time. I think that's really one of the the tenets of the dynasty here in New England. right? Well, and so like to Gresh's point, I would even add on to it that the reason why it's a is a, at least an eyebrow raise to me, not the end of the world, clearly one practice in minicamp. But if they had Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, Dante Hightower, then I'd say, who cares? Just roll the balls out. Let's just make sure everybody's healthy. But to me, it's very different when you look at just all the roles really across the board. You mentioned Sean Wade. I know he's not the answer to this question, but right now, who is their number two corner? Could I uh, get a clarification, sort of like the spelling bee? Who's their number one corner? See, I'm going Jalen Mills, even though I'm okay. not like wild about him, but that would be my answer. Yes, okay, I just wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, okay, yeah, yeah. You're like, <laughs> he was in Mills. A, I'm like, oh. was he an opportunity to be my number two corner answer, or is he the, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 the no. number one? No. Um, Malcolm Butler. I think it's Malcolm Butler. If, if you're going to say that Jalen Mills is the number one corner and that Jonathan Jones is the slot corner, so we're filling that number two corner void, I guess, um, I think Malcolm Butler looked competitive, looked aggressive, didn't look like, oh, my God. For example, one of my classic memories is John Lynch. Most people don't even remember he was a Patriot. Yeah, yeah. He was effing done. Like, you saw an old dude who could not physically even move anymore, never mind play the game of football. Malcolm Butler's not done. A year away from the NFL, a few years away from New England, I do not see a guy who is done. So the combination of his experience in the system, the knowledge, and, you know, I guess all those Instagram videos running down the street with his shirt off, getting back in shape, I'm going to say Malcolm Butler, but... Jack Jones, I'm not giving up on Jack Jones. Okay. Jack Jones, the rookie, can play. He's feisty. He's maybe overly aggressive. Uh, He talked to the media yesterday, and he said he knows he's a small corner, but, you know, the classic cliche quote, I try to play as big as I can, which, Rich, you and I can. (laughs) We we know how that is. D3 Jags, we all stick together. (laughs) You have to. Um, Although I did see on your Twitter heart that more sleep makes you grow or sleep makes you grow or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were like, my ass off. It's not working. A lot of late (laughs) nights in high school for heart. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Jeez, those all-nighters came back to bite me in the ass. (laughs) So, Andy, I know that you mentioned with us yesterday that Bill Belichick was talking to a unnamed coach from somewhere on the sidelines a bunch yesterday. And apparently after they went through some forensics and some analysis and fingerprints, that apparently the person Bill was spending time with was 
Utah State defensive coordinator Ephraim Banda. Banda was also at the U at one point in time, and apparently, according to reports, Belichick was seen talking to him a lot when he was at the U in 2017. What does any of this mean? No idea, but it's fascinating. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to say, other than maybe Mike Lombardi, who is his guy, we know he's his guy, they've been boys since Cleveland, other than Mike Lombardi, I'm not sure anyone that's a guest or a dignitary has gotten this long side-by-side alone with Bill Belichick chatting it up. I also found it interesting. It wasn't like Bill was telling him everything. There was a, it was a conversation. It was a back and forth. There was plenty of banda talking, bandying about some football knowledge, I guess, from his perspective. Keith, you like it? Uh, I don't like it. Try to ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't need to pull me in. I don't allow people to ignore those things. Um, So, yeah, no, that was interesting yesterday, and we talked about it. Like, So he gives them the last day off, and we're already talking about, you know, they could use the reps, all these things. And essentially the second practice of minicamp, he was a non-factor. He kind of exited stage left and just hung out with Band on the sideline to let – Belichick and Mayo do their thing on one end and let Patricia and Judge do their thing on an, on another end. I don't know if that is intentional. I don't leave it, you know, put it past Bill Belichick to do these visual things intentionally. Like, see how confident he is in the coaching staff? He barely took part in practice. They're already on their own, and we're still in the month of June. Uh, but it was interesting to watch from afar. I know there's no practice, but still a number of players talk to the media today. Anything jump out from Mac Jones? Two huge things. Oh, uh, perfect. Well, actually, three things three of note. Huge I'll give things. you a three. So one, um, <laughs> I loved his comment about you know we're all fixating on the play calling and Patricia and the offense and the quote unquote dumbing down of the scheme that Isaiah Wynn talked about yesterday. And Mac kind of poo pooed that and said, "Really? We can run the ball or we can throw the ball. That's all there is to it." And I love the oversimplification. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> know if he believes it he may think he's porked he's like this guy has no idea what he's doing right but he's selling it he's being a good employee selling it the second nugget and we've seen this visually but he articulated it bill was on defense most of the time last year this year he's hands-on on offense Mm. you know he joked about the snaps that he was getting from bill but we've seen it with the running backs the wide receivers bill is more focused on the offense this year out of necessity, out of desire, out of making sure that this little plan he's concocted works, whatever it may be, that's a reality of the situation. And then the third, the uh, hot nugget of camp, the 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 Trey Nixon story. Yeah. After a couple days of playmaking, I did not know that they they have a little relationship. They rode to practice every day last year together. Took their COVID tests every day together and so wow. therefore a maybe strong the, bond right there well, exactly you, you know? take covid tests with Get somebody you guys are bonded for, yep. right uh-huh. right so now the rapport they have the playmaking they have i mean we saw the example when julian edelman got here what did he do he stuck his lips to tom brady's butt and followed <laughs> him around everywhere yep. and it turned into a borderline hall of fame career because of it and I think the, this relationship with Trey Nixon and Mac Jones coming in as rookies together and spending a lot of time together and now making plays together on the uh, the practice football field, maybe that's a relationship and some opportunities to look at moving forward. Well, and taking all those COVID tests last year, that's at least a six-day-a-week uh, bomb that you're right. kind of building right there. You, you see your family uh, more with those, or less, excuse me, than, than uh, taking all those COVID tests. Andy, that is interesting because I think some people would – think that even though McDaniels was here last year that the head coach would want to be more hands-on 
with a rookie quarterback versus a second-year quarterback. Yeah, uh, but that gets into the the head coach of the offense a year ago was Josh McDaniels, and we don't even know who the assistant coach of the offense is this year, never mind the head coach of the offense. So, yeah, that's that that faith and that trust uh, in Josh McDaniels. Another McDaniels-related nugget as we talk about this dumbing down of the offense and coaching Mac. Um, D-Mac was one of the other interviews today, Devin McCourty on Zoom, and he said he used to joke with Josh McDaniels. He would look at his play sheet and be like, why do you guys need all those words to call a single play? And normally I wouldn't think much of that, but in light of this story this offseason that they are streamlining the terminology and they are dumbing down the offense for the post-McDaniels era, uh, I thought that was interesting that even like players were noting just how much, and we've seen it before, like in those Gruden specials where they joke about how many words there are oh, to call yeah. mm-hmm. a protection and an, an adjustment and a play and this. And, you know, the defense perspective is like, wait a minute, we call like, we call a front, we call a coverage, and then we might call a blitz or something off of it, and we're done. You guys have all those stupid words. That seems confusing. Maybe that's the approach that a defensive-minded head coach is finally taking with his offense, Bill Belichick, that dumb it down, let's keep it simple, stupid, we're not good enough to make any mistakes, so let's at least know we know what we're doing so we can go 100 miles an hour and not think out there. Uh, Andy, last thing for you. Are you a proud member of angry Boston Nation that has apparently rattled Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson? If they got any, uh, if they got any wind of you on a youth field, <laughs> I wonder if they would. Uh, I mean, just run away from the region. I don't want to out myself, but I'm not going to lie to you. The athletic director of my son's high school may or may not have texted me today and said, hey, were you in the crowd at the garden last night? Were you part of that angry mob they're talking about? <laughs> Knowing my reputation. Sounds and by the right. way, yep. I responded, I have never sworn loud enough at a youth or high school game for anyone other than my wife to hear it. I'm not going to say I've never sworn at a, at a game. I was going to say, please. I, I do not yell it loud enough for Got it. other fans. But I, I mean... What are we talking about here? Like, is it's this serious? Yeah, isn't, the B, isn't, isn't the BS chant as old as, like, arena sports themselves? Yeah. Like, the refs blow a call, you chant BS. Well, guess what? If you're a dink of a player, and I would like to do, a, like, a, a polygraph task. Like, don't tell me Draymond Green doesn't know he's a dink. Doesn't know he's trying to incite the team, the fans, everybody sure. with everything he does. So, you got what you wanted. They gave you what you wanted. You wanted a reaction. They gave you the reaction, and now you're going to whine about it and have your wife try to fight for you on freaking social media. But then I he mean, also then he like countered what she said. And he's like, actually, I'm okay with it. It's just a very because he was yeah. flipping off fans and two series yes. ago. It's a whole thing. Like this is sports. Like but, remember those commercials a few years ago? Like that's sports or this sports. is sports, or whatever. That's the passion we all want. And I'm sorry if you go to a nine o'clock playoff game <laughs> tip in the right. NBA Finals. Yeah. No, first of all, too. you probably shouldn't have a baby there anyway, no. or a young impressionable child, or Everybody's just be a parent and like <laughs> you know those words that we hear at the arena. We don't use those on the playground. We don't that's use right, those right. at home. Let's. I mean, get over yourself. There you Jesus. go. Andy Hart breaking it down from the Patriots to angry fans. Thanks for jumping on with us, Hart. Yeah, well, we, <laughs> you're one of the best, one of the world's foremost. Thank you, Hart. We appreciate you, brother. See you guys. See you can read all of Andy's work at weei.com.